0: to your fifth edition of guests on the Red Pegasus Podcast. Today, we welcome on a friend of mine uh, by the name of Seth Block. He's just a good old dude doing good work in and around the Dallas area, um, involved in way too many organizations. You'll see it in the description below. Uh, but anyway, without further ado, let's just go ahead and welcome our friend Seth onto the show and hear about what all he's doing in and through his life.
1: And a quick disclaimer, none of the organizations Seth is or has been a part of were involved in the operations or conditions at the Emergency Shelter for Unoccupied Migrant Miners.
0: Welcome to the Red Pegasus Podcast.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Martin Garcia and Darian Clark.
0: Alright, alright, alright. Seth Block with us here. How's it going?
2: Good, how are y'all doing?
0: Doing well. Doing good, doing good. Let's just start off easy. We appreciate you hopping on, jumping on, hanging with us, chatting with us.
2: Yeah, appreciate y'all having me. An honor to be here.
0: Cool. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you want uh, the people of (laughs) The Red Pegasus Podcast <laughs> yeah. to know about you.
2: What the people, what the people need to know. <laughs> gosh, how do you even describe me? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like the hardest question I'll be asked probably this whole podcast. <laughs> right, right. I mean, honestly, I'm just a regular old guy. Nothing special about me. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm here because I do a little bit in the community with volunteering and, and helping different nonprofits. So um, that's what I'm here to talk about today. But that's that's about all you really need to know about me. There's yeah. there's nothing special. I'm not yeah. like an Olympian. I don't. <laughs> don't have a like soundcloud i can promote or a yeah. tiktok so
0: <laughs> you're so humble stop it we're gonna talk you up here okay so talk you say you do a little bit i i think you do a lot yeah, the, it's incredible the that's...
1: Short, uh, introduction we've had uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely sounds more than a uh, little bit um so uh, are you from the dallas area
2: yeah, so I I grew up in Plano. I was actually born in Philadelphia. Moved oh, nice. here when I moved here when I was two. So I I really don't even remember. It. And it's, it's funny because like growing up, we'd always like go back to Philadelphia as a kid. So like I've never really gone to go family vacations <laughs> anywhere else. Um, and so now like when my family goes, I just don't go because I'm like so bored of like Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. that it's like I've I've seen everything. There's right. there's nothing left to do there. So but yeah, so moved here when I was two. Grew up in Plano spent a little bit of time out in fort worth uh went to tcu for undergrad and then you know came back and, and have basically lived in dallas ever since
1: nice were you uh in fort worth before tcu or you were just in fort worth just of TCU. in fort worth for tcu Oh, okay yeah. cool nice
0: what's a little bit of background what what did you study at tcu
2: I studied political science with a criminal justice minor. So okay. Nice. Okay. Very easy major, I <laughs> right. would say. Yeah. <laughs> Very easy.
1: What were you uh, looking at doing after you had gotten out?
2: So I originally, the original plan, and th- there was no backup plan, was to go to law school. That was, like, number one goal. Only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, took the LSAT, bombed it, Ooh. like, did... Got, the, got literally the war, the worst score possible. It was almost like I didn't even take the test that day. <laughs> oh uh, sounds like me uh, with an yeah. SAT. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, took that pretty hard. Um, and then from there, actually, you know, ironically, wound up working at a law firm with the hopes that maybe they could, like, get me into law school or something at some point. Um, did that for three years and then, you know, worked at another firm for a little bit. Um, also, you know, spent a little bit of time working on political campaigns, you know, right when I graduated, um, before I went to the law firm and then, you know, I've been just kind of doing different stuff and, you know, around the city. Nice. Yeah. You're a true,
0: true Dallasite right here. We're talking to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so just to, just to make sure. So no success with the forge law degree. And no, they, they weren't able no, to they I, weren't I, able to squeeze you in or something no, no. You, you
2: know and it, it, it's funny because after i was probably let's see i think i worked in law for about four years yeah and oh, I, wow. and by the end of it i realized i hated it yeah and so now looking back i'm like not getting into law school was the best thing ever for me mm-hmm. because like me being so ego driven at the time, I was only applying to like top 10, you know, super expensive law school. So if I'd gotten in, I'd be easily, you know, 100, 200K in student loan debt <laughs> in an industry that I'm like, this is miserable. Like, yeah. why did I do this? But then it's like, you got all this debt. So you're mm-hmm. kind of stuck. So in hindsight, not getting in was was the best thing to happen to me.
1: Definitely is nice. It sucks to have those moments because... I've kind of been there before where I had a plan and I was going to go do what I needed to do Went from high school to college. And then I was like, uh, man, you know what, this is, uh, this isn't something that I'm actually, you know, really wanting to do anymore and kind of shattered my life as well. But luckily we both were able to pick ourselves back up and move on. So that's great. I'm glad you're here with us now talking about this nonprofit work that you do, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Very awesome.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, Nonprofit work, which is kind of where we met with, where we connected initially. Yeah. When I first met you, you know, I could tell that you really truly cared and loved people well, like just right off the bat. And I was like, man, he really sticks out to me. I, I, I like his persona. I like his um, just way of life, the way he approaches life. And then I followed you on social, you know, and you on your IG stories, you post, go do great things. I'm cheering for you. You know, something so simple, but also like so profound, you know, and this, especially in this day and age, you know when people just go through the motions don't don't connect with people individually on a personal basis you know so what kind of started that you know what what uh what start what made you bring that on and and why do you continue to do it
2: yeah so the kind of the way the whole nonprofit volunteering space that I got into got started and I want to clarify too, because people probably think it's my day job. It's not. I do something professionally as a day job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I do this entirely, you know, in my spare time nights, weekends, and I love it that Mm -hmm. much that it's like, it's, it basically is everything I do outside of work. Um, but the way I got started is so back in 2019, I, I suddenly realized that, um, you know, I was in a very bad space mentally. Um, you know, looking back, I was pretty depressed. Um, just was not in a healthy place mentally, in a pretty dark hole. And I um, started doing the inner work, self-development, trying to kind of dig myself out of what I found myself in this hole. And I had this idea one day because I'd, I'd never really volunteered um, before 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did it three times. I was like talking about in the pre-interview, you know, interview. it's like mm-hmm. I can literally remember all three times. And it's it was never like, oh, I'm gonna go volunteer today. <laughs> it was always like, Oh, like it's a class project or like one time there was a girl I was trying to date and she was like organizing the event. So I went simply to like <laughs> try to get my foot in the door and like go on a date with her. Right. Didn't work out. Ooh, um, got no. rejected. But Ooh. yeah, so I'd, I'd never, I'd never really volunteered. And, um, I was thinking I was like, Oh, you know, I never like intentionally wanted to do this, but every time I did it, like I always felt pretty good about myself afterwards. It kind of gave me some purpose and it was also a way to realize, Like, I'm not monetarily rich, but I do live in abundance and Mm -hmm. my life is rich, right? Like I go home to a place with a roof over my head. I know where I'm gonna sleep every night. I know I have food in my fridge and like clothes in my closet, right? It Mm -hmm. was a way for me to connect with individuals who are in a tougher situation than I am and realize that, sure, I may have struggles and things may not be where I want them to be, but when you look at it, it's like, I do live in abundance and that in a weird way, and it, it sounds kind of like harsh to say it, but like the issues I may face in life, like they're not that bad. Right. Yeah. And in a way it's like, Oh, I'm lucky that like, this is the worst thing that I have going on. Right. Like I'm not trying to figure out where am I going to sleep tonight or where's my next meal going to come from. So I was thinking about like, I was like, Oh, I should really start volunteering more. Cause it just really, you know, made me feel good and kind of helped like put things in perspective Um, but I really didn't know what that would look like or how that would work. And so I have a really good friend, um, named Amit. He's like my nonprofit guru. Um, (laughs) and he's, he's been doing this forever. Um, and so he had hit me up to go to Austin for a trip because I'd worked in politics. He was involved in politics and he got invited to go to this convention. And they basically told us the hotel was paid for. Um, you just needed to get down there and like cover your food and so I, I was thinking about hitting Amit up to talk about politics or talk about volunteering. And at the same time, I was thinking like about taking a trip to get out of Dallas because I was just in such a bad headspace that yeah. something was telling me like, you need to get out of Dallas and like <laughs> yeah. go somewheres. And I was like, what are the odds that I literally need to talk to Amit about volunteering? And I'm thinking about going on a trip. And now Amit is hitting me up to go on a trip which will give me an opportunity to talk to him about volunteering it's a sign. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we we go down to Austin and we're like sitting in the hotel lobby and I literally look at him and I'm like, Hey, um, you know, where you feel comfortable with it? Would you like invite me to go volunteer with you? Um, and kind of, you know, help me get involved in that world?" And Amit just was like, yeah, he was really excited about it. Super enthusiastic and so he really just like kind of took me under his wing, opened up a ton of doors for me, got me involved with you know a bunch of different organizations, and and it really just all took off from there. Nice. Um, so yeah, it, it started as a way to kind of help with my own you know struggles and and mindset and and mental health. Um, and then you know at first I really didn't even like talking about on social media only because I didn't want to be an influencer and mm-hmm. I felt like. Mm-hmm it sounds really harsh and I don't mean it to you, but I felt like if you were at an event posting a bunch on social media, like you're not focused on the event. You're Mm -hmm. focused on like trying to show the world how great you are. Mm, And So I was like very, like I would never really post about it. Um, But then every so often, like either someone would take a photo or something. There's like an opportunity. So I like post a thing like, Oh, here's, you know, something I did today. And I noticed that like people would then hit me up, to be like, Hey, that's really cool. What you did next time you do something, can you let me know? I want to go with you. And I was like, Oh wait, this is like interesting. Like I, I don't want to like be an influencer, but just by people seeing what I'm doing, like it has like a positive net impact and it's encouraging other people to go do stuff. And it's, it's a way to get other people involved. So it was like, okay, yeah, I should post about this, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I try to do it in a way where it's like, I'm not an influencer, you know, when I'm like working with an organization or event, I try to keep the focus on the event. Um, so it started with that. And then really from there, I was like, you know, I'd rather be posting about that kind of stuff on social media than like, you know, what what people <laughs> typically post about. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's <laughs> just my life is not that exciting. Your plate so, of pastos so, is yeah. <laughs> isn't for everyone. Um, so 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 yeah, I was like, Oh, I should just, you know, start just posting about this all day and then you know, as I've sort of gone on my own self improvement journey of trying to, you know, get better every day and, and become a person that I wanna be. Um, it was sort of like, okay, you know, I'm just gonna start posting about this on social media. And I don't do it in a way to like lecture people like, you know, here's here's how you should live your life. Like when yeah. I post like I read a lot of books on like self development. So if you go to my social media, you're probably gonna see just a bunch of like book pages or like quotes and stuff like that and it's really not a way to be like oh like here's how you should live your life but it's more like oh wait this really resonated with me so i'm just gonna put it out there for people and like they can pick it up they can put it down it's whatever they want to do and it's I'm, i'm actually really glad you hit on the the go do great things i'm cheering for you so it's just so people know it's something i post every morning um every morning when i wake up i the first thing i post is go do great things i'm cheering for you um, and the way that got started, I don't think many people know this publicly. So so everyone's about to get the secret. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm breaking news. Yeah, yeah exactly. breaking news. You heard it here first <laughs> on Red Pegasus Podcast. Um, the way that got started was I had had a really rough day at the, where I was working at the time, really rough day the day before. And I just felt awful. And I just woke up the next morning, like dreading going to work. I was like not looking forward to it. And my mindset was just so bad. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to go do great things today. Like, I'm cheering for myself mm-hmm. to go have a great day. And so I, I, I posted it, you know, go do great things. I'm cheering for you just as like a note to myself, really. Um, and it was the craziest thing. I forget, like maybe at most three people. It might have just been one or two. I don't remember. But like a couple people literally hit me up that day in the dms and they're like hey i'm really going through something right now and reading that just like really helped me like Mm. thank you so much and i was like wait a minute i was like i posted this for me and now like (laughs) people are telling me like this helped them thank you like thanking me for something that really like it takes me five seconds to write every morning it's it's really low barrier of entry Mm. and i was like the fact that people are hitting me up to be like this really helped them I was like, why am I not doing this every day? It's so easy. And like, if it resonates with someone and helps them and, you know, with something they're struggling with, great. And so, yeah, from there, I started just posting it and it's literally every day. And, and still to this day, every so often I'll get people that hit me up that are just like, hey, um, you know, I'm going through something right now. Sometimes they tell me about it. Sometimes they don't. And they're like, you know, just reading that literally helps me so much that's Um, great so yeah so that that's how that got started
0: awesome love it um and also just to put the cherry on top you also post like today's feel good content yeah
2: yeah so love it man come on bring it on the the feel good content is total (laughs) fluke there is no um like meaning to that so (laughs) for people that don't know i also post something every day that's I try to make it heartwarming. Sometimes yeah. it's just funny, but it's just something that I saw in like another account. And so yeah. I post like today's feel good content. Yeah. And the only reason that got started is because I saw one and I, I shared it to my story, but I put a caption that just said today's feel good content. Yeah. And I was thinking about later in the day and I was like, wait, by posting that caption, that kind of implies like I'm doing this every day. And I was like, well, it's kind of fun to like find this stuff. Like, it's yeah, yeah. it's heartwarming to me to just like see this like feel good content every day. Right. So then I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this now every day too. So yeah, so every day I find like something kind of like heartwarming that pulls at your heartstrings, and I, I post it as the the feel good content it of the is. day.
1: It is. It makes me feel good every time I see it. <laughs> nice.
2: It's good to know. I'm glad. Um,
1: so going back uh, to what you were talking about, and kind of like struggling to document what you're doing. Yeah. I, it's. I think. It's funny that you bring that up because it's always so hard for someone in your position to kind of showcase what you're doing, but like also not really for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the event or the organization, 100%. whatever you're doing. So it's nice that you bring that up. And I feel like a lot of people don't really think that, right? They think, oh, this guy's trying to be an influencer. He's trying to be the next big guy on social media, but it's important because it helps spread that information across. And what we were talking about earlier, is was like, Behind-the-scenes stuff is what everyone likes to see, I, for I, sure. It's not bringing attention to you, but it's bringing attention to the organization and seeing how things work. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would keep keep the posts coming on social media, And it is, sure.
2: It's crazy, too, because I walk such a fine line of, like, I don't want to be an influencer, yeah. but then, like, you're posting stuff about it, so, like... When you think about like an influencer just means someone has influence. I hate to use the word to describe the word, but you know, it's like you, you have influence. And so it's like, okay, then on some level, like I, I am an influencer. I only have like 300 followers, I think. So I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, you know, not blue check mark verified or anything. Um, But it's like this fine line and like, I'll be honest, there's a lot of posts that I delete later mm-hmm. because like I'll post it and then after the fact kind of be thinking about it like, oh, this feels a little bit too much to me or it feels like I'm um, like trying to promote myself too much, mm-hmm. right? So there, there's been plenty of times where I'll post something and then take it down because I'm like, I, I don't like the way this sounds or like, I feel like it's trying to make me something that I'm not or like this, you know, incredible human being that's mm-hmm. like, you know, and so I, so I try not to, you know, make it about me and yeah, That's you, a great. lot of my posts get taken down yeah. during the day. I'm <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> all for positive vibes on social. It's such a, it could be such a toxic community, Oh yeah. a toxic area. Oh, for sure. 90% of the time. So anytime I come across some good content, I'm like, yes, thank
1: you. Yeah. And I think that message that you post every morning is definitely just like a brilliant idea. I mean, the first thing that everyone does when they get out of bed is go on social media, right? It's, yeah. You always check the Instagram. Even if it's not the Instagram, it's Twitter, it's the emails, whatever it is. So, it's nice. It definitely is nice, you know, seeing yeah. a positive message instead of Kim and Kanye are once again fighting over their divorce. It's like, okay, but... Tell me how, <laughs> tell me that I need a great day. Like I need that type yeah. of energy in my life right now. So that's great.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's funny too. Cause it's not even like, I don't even do it first thing in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I have a whole morning routine before I even get to that point.
0: So I truly believe like you're at your best self when you're serving people, when you're volunteering, doing, you know, stuff for the community, stuff for individuals, stuff like that. What's, what's a way that, what's some advice
2: that you give somebody? To jump on that bandwagon, oh my gosh, yeah i think I think the biggest thing is is really think about like what you're passionate about, and like what is something, and it could be in your neighborhood and your community, you know it could be global, whatever it is, something that like you see going on that like really pulls out your heartstrings and like you're like, you know it could be why is, why is this happening in my community or you know, things shouldn't be happening this way or, you know, whatever it is, like something that you just feel called to take action on and then find a way to get involved with that. Um, because the reality is like volunteering is great, but you know, it definitely, you know, can be, can be tough, especially, you know, I've, I've done things where we've been involved with, with people that are in, you know, really harsh conditions and it definitely, you know, is something that has an impact on you. Um, and, you know, there's, there's been times where, I've gone and, and been involved in something and then go home, you know, that night and just need to like sit on the couch and, and unwind yeah. um, and just like take a minute to myself because like what we did was so emotionally like powerful mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's tough to see people when they're struggling. Yep. Um, so I say that because the work is important. And so if you're doing something that you're really not passionate about, then one, it, you know, it's like what you're going to go through that there's that side of it, but then also you're kind of in a way doing a disservice to the organization. Um, because you know, you're not going to put your best foot forward if you're working with something that you're not super passionate about. So Mm -hmm. for me now, it's like when I really get involved with an organization, um, I really ask myself, like, is this something that I really want to do? Or is this just something I kind of want to do? And if it's a, I kind of want to do it, then it's a no. Um, Mm. you know, there's this guy, Brandon Collinsworth, he's a Nike master trainer. Um, and he has this saying that I love and just have like adopted in my life. And it's, it's all in on all in, right. You know, everyone talks about being all in on their goals. How many people are all in on all in? Um, and so that's sort of the level I take with my volunteering. And when I get involved with a nonprofit, it's not, oh, you know, is this just something I want to do? It's, am I going to be all in on all in, right? Mm -hmm. And am I going to give them 110% every day that I show up for them? Um, and if the answer is, oh, I'm not going to be all in on all in, or I can't be all in on all in, then it's a no.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really interesting because you always hear a lot of people talking, you know, doing what they love to do, and you you can see it in them. And when you ask them like how they got there or, or why they're doing what they're doing, and it's always just because I love to do it, and it really does make you want to put in as much effort and oh, 100%. and go to uh yeah go to a hundred percent and try your best at it. And so I think that's. That's really great. Trying to find something that you're interested in definitely will help out because anyone could, you know, go serve food to the homeless or, or, you know, hand out thing, meals on wheels. But if you're not really into it, you're not really giving a hundred percent and you bring up a great point. You're also doing, um, bad on the organization, right? You're not really helping them out as much as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that's really the key thing is like the work you're doing is so important. Mm -hmm. Like the, the people are, you know, it doesn't have to be people if it's animals or whatever it may be like that's what matters at the end of the day and so if you're approaching it and you're like oh, I i'm only gonna give like 50 percent because like i want to do this but i'm not passionate about it then it's like one you're not really helping to the level you could be but then two, you know look at it this way if there's only 10 people allowed at this event that you're volunteering at and you're only 50% in it, mm-hmm. then you probably took that opportunity from someone who's a hundred percent in it. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think about that too. A lot of the times is like, okay, I'm gonna get involved with this organization. Is there someone who'd be better suited for this than me? Mm-hmm. You know? And if so, then it's like, all right, go find that person. Like you don't need me, right? Mm-hmm. Go, go find the person that can actually come in and do a really great job for you. Like, yeah, you may think like, I'm gonna be a great volunteer but there's someone who's going to be even better than me because they're super passionate about what you're working on. Mm. Go find, like go get that person because they're out there. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, I love you're it, getting please. me like ready to go. Like <laughs> just do whatever I can. This is so great. Just take this um, to the street and start serving people. Seriously. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, man, let's go, let's go do it. Um. So how many organizations have you been involved with since you've started this? And, um, who are they? If you can, you know, if you don't mind sharing, yeah, sure. plug them in, plug them for in for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I've I've done it. My kind of growth in this has been very interesting because when I first got started, you know, I was very much like I wasn't planning to get on like boards or anything. Like mm-hmm. that was never. At one point, I swore I was never going to be on a board. Actually, I was like, <laughs> it's ne- like I'm never going to do it. And then it it happened. Um, <laughs> um, But yeah, so when I first started volunteering, it was just I was literally just going in to volunteer. So and I was doing a very like shotgun approach and like oh, this organization wants me to volunteer with them. Like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Especially because at the time, it was very much like a mental health thing for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it was really helping me pull myself out of a dark place. Um, and so I was happy to go like volunteer with a bunch of different organizations, even if you know I wasn't necessarily as passionate about them as I should have been because it was really helping me in my own headspace. So at first it was like a very shotgun approach. Um, and then over time there's just certain organizations that wouldn't let me go. Um, So then I got like more involved with them and then it was like, okay, you know, I started getting on advisory councils and boards. um, So now it's like I'm in more official capacities with different organizations. Um, So right now, as far as the organizations that I'm really plugged in with, um, so there's an organization, social venture partners, Dallas, um, which they, they're a very great organization. Um, not only do they do like grants and stuff, but then they also do sort of like pro bono consulting for other nonprofits that need help. Oh, cool. Um, and I got plugged in with them. They have a, an amazing program called the Dana Jewett residency that I did. Um, I was a member of that, their cohort. And then after that I stayed on, you know, as a partner, um, which are the people that do the pro bono consulting. Um, I haven't gotten to do too much of it yet cause I'm pretty new at the partner thing. Um, but then I also, they're forming an alumni association for, you know, the DJR residents and the people that go on in the program. Um, so I'm on the executive committee for that, that we're launching. Um, and then I'm also on United Way, has an emerging leaders program. So I'm on the steering committee for that and chair their <laughs> volunteer engagement committee. Um, and then Union Coffee has the Shot of Generosity, which is something we do every month where Union, we pick a different nonprofit. And we say, okay, on a set Saturday of the month, um, we're going to donate 15% of sales to that nonprofit. Likewise, if the nonprofit has like a book drive or, you know, something going on that we think we can help them with, we'll do that. But sometimes logistically, like the needs just don't match. And we don't want to be like, oh, we're going to do this for you. And then it not work out well. Mm -hmm. So we're very cautious about like, okay, do you have another need? And is it a need we can help you meet? Um, So I'm on the organizing committee for that. And then also... Uh, newly elected member of the union board so we have our hey, first, first board meeting thank you yeah we have, we have our first board meeting coming up so um, be able to get more involved with them and then i'm also on the advisory council for refugee services of texas which is the largest resettlement agency in the state of texas wow you know what i I don't think you're, you're doing, doing, doing enough <laughs> I, I do i do not think you're doing. you know it's crazy i honestly <laughs> feel that sometimes and i'm not even joking yeah i will literally like organizations I help, I'll literally have conversations with them where I like hit them up and I'm like, Hey, um, are we good? Cause like, I feel like I should be doing more for you. And they're like, um, you're good. Like you're, <laughs> You've been running good. this. Like,
1: no, no one else is on this board. You've just been running this whole organization by yourself. We're they're, okay. They're like, are you
2: eating? Are you getting enough sleep? Like, so, so yeah.
1: That's great. That's really great. So that's a lot. So how many in total do you think you've done since you've started
2: since i've started including
1: the three that you did even uh, with the one just to get to the girl including those three (laughs) uh how many uh, overall do you think you've done
2: i don't even know and i I don't want to put a number because i'm worried i'll overestimate i Mm -hmm. don't want to make it sound great and especially because one things i'll do too and i haven't i haven't done it recently um just because the opportunity has to present itself but sometimes like i'll just do pop-up stuff on my own or with friends um like i remember one time my buddy uh naveed who's a super awesome guy um him and his neighbor Scott. It was like around Christmas of I want to say twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty Christmas of twenty twenty. They like wanted to do a volunteer thing out in the community and Navita was like, hey I think he'd hit me up and he was like, Do you know of anything? And I was like, well we could just like go do our own thing. He was like Yeah. So we wound up just like make like going to like Walmart and buying like a bunch of stuff to like like make sandwiches and like kits for like homeless individuals. And we drove around Dallas for like an hour, just giving out these kits, me, Navita and Scott, for Christmas, um, which was nice. awesome. <laughs> so I do stuff like that. Um, I'll also, you know, just try to do stuff on my own. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, an, an individual who's, who's homeless will like come up to me like, hey, can you, you know, buy me a meal or something? And if, if I have some cash on me and, you know, can't, I'll, I'll go run into a store real quick and get them something. Mm-hmm. Or, um, there was one time I actually felt really bad um, so I was like driving and there's like a, you know, homeless guy. And I, I thought I had a bottle of water that was unopened in my car and I didn't. Um, and I was like, dang it. I don't want to like let this guy down. Cause he, 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 I, I flagged him over thinking I had something and I right, didn't. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, Hey, are you, are you going to be here? Um, because I, had, I, had, it was like late in the day and I had to go somewhere. So it was like, I I couldn't just like go real quick and come back. And I was like, are you going to be here tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be here in the morning. And I was like, cool. I was like, be here tomorrow. I'm going to come back. And I'm like, I'm going to get stuff for you. Um, and so I, I, I put it on my social media. I was like, hey, everyone. Um, I just like ran into this homeless guy. i going to go to the store later tonight, early tomorrow morning, and, and buy stuff. If anyone wants to Venmo me money, which I... Taking money always scares me. Like I'm always very hesitant to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I was like, if anyone wants to Venmo me money, it's gonna go towards this, and I'm gonna send you a copy of the receipts that you can see, like your, you know, purchase went to this and the amount. And um, a friend of mine did donate some money, and so yeah, I, I literally went to the store and bought like bunch of different stuff like she even bought like cleaning stuff from like toiletries and then went back the next morning and like found them and it was like hey here you go and perfect yeah. i mean he was like shocked because he, he like didn't think i was coming back right. he probably he hears that a they lot. hear that like yeah. all the time yeah. and, and so he he was like shocked by it and it was just like a really you know heart heartwarming moment to see that reaction and mm-hmm. then i always try to like even if i can't necessarily help someone in that moment, I still try to like treat them like a human being because like, we all deserve it. it, We all deserve it. And in some ways like that can make an impact. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and one of the ways I realized this is I was walking one day. Um, and this guy came up to me and he's like, Oh, Hey man, I, I really like your sweater. Um, and I was like, Oh, thanks so much, man. Like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm doing good. He's like, you know, I just got out of prison like today. Um, you know, and I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, well, one, you know, congrats and i was like you know i hope you know things work out for you and you know hope it hope it goes well and you know i'm I'm cheering for you and he stopped and he's like i just want to thank you real quick he was like of all the people i've told that today you're the first person that treated me like an actual human being and just like stopped and and like gave me courtesy Mm -hmm. and he's like i can't say enough how much that means to me and i started and I, I bought him food, um, you know, cause he asked me if I could get him a meal or something. So we ran into a store real quick and I bought him food and everything, but I started thinking about it afterwards. And I was like, wait, I was like the fact that that dude, like I literally just treated him like a person, mm-hmm. you know, and acknowledged him as a person. Like what impact does that have on him? Right. Because if he's constantly getting ignored, everyone's like, no, leave me alone. Or, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're a felon run away.
1: Right. You know, it's
2: like, that has an effect on people, right? Mm -hmm. And that dude may get discouraged, you know, may think he has no out and go back to, you know, what he was doing before that, that got him in prison, um, which is unfortunate. So it's like, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know where he is today, but you know, I think there's something to said about like, when you treat people like human beings and and give them just like kindness and courtesy and compassion, Mm -hmm. like that definitely in some ways, like gives them hope for the future. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's good, man. Wow! Yeah, jeez. <laughs> I lost my train Tyrannolic of thought. I was listening to you, so. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so cool, man. Well, um, kind of jumping back to the, these nonprofits you mentioned just a minute. Yeah. Talk about some of the impact that uh, they've had in like the recent in your recent, recent ones, memory. yeah yeah.
2: So I think probably the most recent, which I know in in pre-interview we kind of wanted to hit on, was the the half Iron man. Do, oh, do yeah! you want to go there yeah. yeah 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 so i i recently was part of a half iron man uh relay team in october down in waco which, uh, <laughs> what can you not do like <laughs> <laughs> with uh with the refugee services of texas which i was on a relay i want to make this clear i was on a relay team so i did not do the full half iron man i only did the run <laughs> so 13.1 mile run the the real star of the show truthfully so there's three of us on the relay team. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley, who's their development director, my friend Naveed, which we'll get into a crazy story about how he got on, on this. Cause the dude deserves a medal. Um, <laughs> he was our cyclist. So he did 56 mile bike ride and then I brought it home on the 13.1 mile run. No, thank you. The real oh, star of the show was, uh, Caitlin, who, um, she was their director of, of major gifts. Um, but she's, she's since left the organization to go on to do other things and, and you know, new opportunities. Um, but she did the full half Ironman solo. So, um, for those who don't know, it's a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike ride, 13.1, uh, mile run. So she, she did the whole thing. Um, and because she's, she's full time, works full time, Mm -hmm. you know, mom, everything. Um, she couldn't probably train at the level you need to train to do a half Ironman. Like it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Caitlin, I'm going to apologize right now if I do this wrong, but I think if I remember correctly, she placed sixth overall in her age group. Wow. So yeah. So the real, the real star of the show was Caitlin. Wow. Um, she is a machine. That's crazy, um, but yeah, man. so, so we, we decided to do the, this half Ironman and um, I actually, the, the other sort of irony is I was originally not on the Ironman team. Mm. Um, They had asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And at the time I was like, well, I'm going to do a half Ironman. I wanna do a half Iron Man. I don't wanna do a leg of the half iron man. <laughs> yeah, right. The the ego kicks in. Right, you're right. Like I want the glory. Um, but I I don't own a bike. I haven't <laughs> swam in years. And like it's not it's not cheap to do a half iron man. Right. And I started adding it all up and I'm like, I'm looking at a thousand dollars. Gosh. Like at least just to do yeah, this for thing. The bike alone. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Yeah, the just bike for the alone. bike alone. Like it would have been over a thousand dollars once you start factoring the fees and everything. So it's like, all right, like if I'm gonna go, just like drop money that I don't have on something, like why don't I? Why wouldn't I just donate it to the organization? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, one, I didn't have the money to cover all those costs. Um, but then I was also kind of scared about like, okay, if I do this half Ironman, you know, as part of this organization. <laughs> And I don't finish. I DNF. Yeah. Um, that's embarrassing for me and the organization. So I told him, like, hey, I'm going to sit this one out. I'll, like, support, you know, and everything. So I didn't, I didn't sign up. And then the person who was supposed to be the runner, um, something happened and they couldn't do it. And this mm-hmm. was, I think it was, like, two or three months. I forget the exact time frame, but it was pretty close. Um, and my understanding of the story is that they had a meeting to decide, like, Who's going to be the runner? Like we need a runner on short notice. And um, from my understanding, and I don't know if this is true, big disclaimer in the meeting. um, Caitlin was like, well, we know Seth didn't want to do the half Ironman because he wanted to do the full thing, but it was too expensive. And he was worried he couldn't prepare in time, but we all know Seth and we all know that he can get ready for a half marathon in time if we need him. So they were like, hey, they called me up and they like, like, hey, we need a runner. Do you want to be our runner? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, and I'm not, a, I was not a runner before this. Um, so I spent, you know, I, I started running a lot and then ironically our cyclist, on short notice had to drop due to medical issues mm. so we need a cyclist on short notice and um so so. it's like does anyone <laughs> does anyone know a cyclist and i was like ironically i know a guy Navid who's currently training for an iron man um i was like let me hit him up so i hit up naveed and um <laughs> He he was training but like I forget the exact distance but he had not ridden anywhere close to 56 miles going into this like <laughs> mm-hmm. I I I don't want to say the exact amount but it was it was not his his training had not yet hit that level of distance yeah. so um going into the Ironman that was the longest he'd ever ridden like Gosh. that day mm. um and the dude straight up was a champion pushed through um, it. literally embodied like the warrior spirit heart of a lion because um, that bike ride was not easy, Mm-mm. but yeah, I realized I'm getting a little off track here. So, just yeah. to clarify, so we we did this half Ironman, um, and originally it was to like raise awareness for the organization, let people know about RST. Um, and then as we were kind of getting ready to do it, um, you know, the Afghanistan thing started happening, where where there's going to be all these evacuees, and and people are going to need to be resheltered, um, resettled in the U.S. Um, and so we weren't going to do a fundraiser initially. And then Caitlin and I were, were doing one of our runs one day. Cause on Sundays we would go run together to get ready for, for the run portion. Um, and Caitlin was like, I think we should do a fundraiser. She was like, let's just create a fundraiser real quick. Um, you know, we can do at the time it was going to be 1400 that were going to be settled. So she was like, we could fundraise 1400 in honor of the 1400 that are going to be resettled in the U S it's now a lot more that are being resettled. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time it was going to be 1400. So she was like, let's do 1400. And so she kind of like got that all organized underway. It was a very like quick pop up fundraising and her and Naveed honestly crushed that thing on the fundraising. Nice. They, the, we, we, we got over the 1400 goal. Mm. Um, and I even remember like what was really awesome about it was Naveed started posting, and then his friends really started donating, but then not only were they donating, but then they were posting about it, encouraging other people to donate, so it was this awesome thing where it's like people who don't know about RST, right, they just know Naveed. Mm-hmm. they're now promoting us because like they want to support and like i remember mm-hmm. his um his friend ariel was also competing doing doing the the full half ironman and like he he started posting about it that day when he learned what we were doing so it was just like this awesome moment so yeah so we we, we competed in this this half ironman and i did the the 13.1 mile run to to bring it home to the finish line
1: <laughs> nice so that is another great one. story
0: but Ooh. i guess we'll save it for another day
2: Oh, do you want? You do want you to go for go, it? Go in the, the finish line. Yeah, yeah, okay. do it, do it. I didn't so, know if you were gonna go there or not. I we, we can. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how long we got here. I mean, <laughs> we got all night. If go you all want. night. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I I was the runner. Um, and it, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. But this is the first time I think publicly this story's ever been told, other than in a, a few private conversations. Um, <laughs> So going into the the half Ironman, I had previously volunteered at a a shelter for unaccompanied minors. Um, So going into the Ironman to give me some extra motivation, I had uh, written on my arm the names of a bunch of the kids that I got to know really well, just so as a way as like while I was out there running, um, you know, if I was ever like in a moment where I was struggling or didn't think I could continue, I could look down at my arm and like. See those names and remember like the hardships they faced in their journey to get here and like you know if if a 16 year old 15 14 year old kid can do that like i can run 13.1 miles Mm -hmm. come on now um Mm -hmm. so i did that going into it and so i i told the team um to be at the finish line because i was like i don't care what i have left in the tank um when i get to the end like i'm turning on the afterburners and i'm hauling it and I'm yeah. leaving it all out there and i was like i was like try to get video because it's it's gonna look good um so the course the way it worked was near the end of it it was like a short little it was like a turn short straight away turn run to the finish line mm-hmm. straight away so i i hit the and, and granted most people who do this right they're doing the full thing okay right so they they've Swam 1.2 miles. Yeah. They've biked 56. They're done. They're now doing 13.1. Yeah. They're exhausted, right? So either they're just kind of like trucking along, or they're like just taking in the moment of like finishing this thing. So they're they're not like running. Well, they don't do a good job of like distinguishing who's relay, who's not. Mm-hmm. So I've just done 13.1. So I've got way more energy than like a lot any, of than a lot with, of the people. Yeah. So I hit the the straight the the first straightaway, and I just like start turning it on and mm-hmm. taking off. So all the people right there, they see me like start gunning and they like go crazy. <laughs> um but then i and I round the corner and I hit the net the final straightaway and you know there's there's people just like casually walking, but then these people see this guy around <laughs> the corner out of nowhere just <laughs> hauling it. And They all think that like I've done the full thing. I'm this just machine <laughs> like I'm a turn you're the iron, man. Yeah, I, I, the iron I, man I am the iron man. So they just see this dude just booking it and they start freaking out And I remember <laughs> so too good so in the moment um, As I was I was reading and, and kind of getting to the finish line I So going back to the convention center um, real quick so this makes sense so, at the convention center um, with the kids, you couldn't, like, if a kid was struggling or something, understand me, you couldn't, like, give them a hug. And it was, mm-hmm. like, to protect them. So, one of the things we would do if a kid was, like, struggling as a way to show, like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I, I care about you, I support you, I'm here for you. Like, we'd, we'd like, tap our chest mm-hmm. um, as a way to just, like, show solidarity with them. So, going into the final story, I'm, like, hauling it. And, and I didn't plan this. This was, like, a very organic thing that just kind of, like, happened mm-hmm. in the moment. I like look down at my arm and like see the names. And so I, I touch the names on my arm and then I just start pounding my chest. Not thinking like in the moment and no one knows what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. No one knows this, the symbolism of that in the moment. Mm -hmm. So all these people, including the other athletes, just see this dude, (laughs) but get around the corner and then just start pounding his chest. And, um, (laughs) didn't really think anything about the time, but then you could actually buy video. Um, so we, oh, we wow. didn't get video of it um, oh, okay. because it, it was just it was really hard to track and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I like rounded the corner, it was like I was past everyone because they didn't. It wasn't like a real time tracker; it was just like an estimated pace. So they they didn't get the video. But then I found out you could pay like twenty bucks to get video of you crossing the finish line. <laughs> so I paid twenty bucks for this thing. <laughs> n- one, the video is not good quality, <laughs> but we I mean we watch it and it's like you literally see me like running and i didn't realize this in the moment but there was like other athletes around me Mm -hmm. and you just see me like running and then just like pounding my chest in front of these other athletes and (laughs) we're like gosh this just looks so bad like it looks so disrespectful to everyone else (laughs) on the field yeah um but (laughs) yeah so that that was just like this moment that i had out there um that, you know, in, internally, it was, like, really heartfelt moment for yeah, me. Yeah, right. Yeah, from an outside perspective, it was just, like, it's very like... surreal. Like, p- one, people thinking I'm this machine athlete that just, like, is running, like, seven-minute miles after, yeah. you know, biking 56 and swimming 1.2. But then, like, all the other athletes most of the like, who is this guy that's, like, <laughs> pounding his chest as he runs past me?
1: <laughs> that is too funny. That is too funny. Imagine just seeing you come around like just worn out completely tired seeing you come across just blasting it in your chest it's just like man come on yeah now i gotta keep up
2: with this guy like oh man (laughs) that's too funny
1: but you finished it
2: finished i I did not have a good time i was not happy with my time so you
0: had two three months to yeah i I think i had
2: three months to go from never running more than a a 5k (laughs) to, and i don't running a 5k i didn't run the whole thing yeah right yeah. um to then running 13.1 <laughs> miles in waco texas so
0: overall did it end up being a good successful event for yeah Refuge i mean services f- texas f-
2: for sure yeah it was, awesome. it was successful so we we hit the the fundraising goal and then there's mm-hmm. actually like local media down there just doing a news report oh mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. and then they um uh, they asked caitlin to do an interview just like as an athlete so she she plugged <laughs> our she she talked about like of she course. took advantage of the <laughs> got interview got and now she's yeah. like oh yeah i'm here to you know competing in this Ironman. I'm super excited. Like she used it to plug what we were doing. So we, we definitely got attention from that. Um, so overall it it was a huge success.
0: So Seth, you mentioned this, uh, unaccompanied minors situation at the convention center. You were volunteering with them. You wrote their hand, their names on your arm while you're doing that half Ironman. Tell us more about that. Tell us a little story about that. uh, if You don't mind.
2: Yeah. And, um, so this, this might be kind of Difficult to talk about. Um, It's something I have to be careful about. And and the reason why, you know, this is all in the news now. Um, Anyone can Google it. They can see. But um, the conditions within the convention center um, were not good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can kind of see what that's about. So just to kind of give some background on it, Mm -hmm. I, you know, started volunteering there. um, I think it was around probably March, I want to say. Yeah. Um, of 21, and this was an emergency shelter that had been set up for, you know, unaccompanied minors who are arriving at the southern border. They were fleeing, you know, maybe it's gang violence or whatever it may be. Um, so these are kids who are showing up at their at the border, um, and they're usually they're usually meeting someone here who's like a relative or something. They're they're fleeing and they're coming to the U.S. for a better life. Um, so they arrive at the border. They're they're detained by Border Patrol, and then they're eventually given over to Office of refugee ORR which is office of refugee resettlement um which is a department within human health and human services um and basically their role is to sort of like take care of them until they can confirm that who they're meeting um here can can take care of them you know it's not like a human trafficking situation and will be responsible for them until they can have their court date to see whether or not they can stay in the u.s um and so because the shelters the permanent shelters were overflowing um you know there's there was a a pretty big influx of people arriving at the border. They were at capacity. So they needed to set up emergency shelters around the country. Mm -hmm. Um, so one was set up in Dallas and and they needed volunteers to come in. Um, so I was one of those volunteers and, you know, basically what I was doing is just like hanging out with kids, trying to give them some semblance of a childhood, um, you know, playing games with them, you know, helping them learn English, things like that. Um, so, you know, over time as you're doing something like that, um, the the rose tinted glasses come off mm-hmm. and you start to kind of see the other side of it, which is that the conditions at the convention center were, were not good. Um, you know, most notably the, the quality of the food they were given was not great. Um, and you know, a lot of the kids, it, I, I don't know what the nutritional value was, but I don't think it was much. I would eat the food. Yeah. And, like it was not good food. It was like, not to make a joke, but it was like fire fest type stuff, Yeah, you know, it, it was In like grief. some like chicken and, and rice. That's like not good. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of kids were struggling with nutrition. Um, and like you'd, you'd hear all the time about like kids passing out, um, and having to be rushed to the hospital because they weren't eating. And, but then, but then they're the, here. Yeah, yeah. While they're here. Um, but then at the same time that they're getting this low quality food, um, the The contractor that's overseeing the convention center is literally bringing in like separate meals for their employees. Mm. And originally, just to be clear on this, their employees were eating the same food as the kids every day, um, but nobody liked the food. Yeah. And mm-hmm. enough of their employees made a stink that they started bringing in separate, yeah. like high quality, like fish, yeah. stuff like that for them to eat. Um, So stuff like that, you know, we'd be told by kids that, they're being threatened with like deportation, and you know, there's just a lot of you know different things going on there that um, no child should have to go through. Yeah. Um, and so, myself, other volunteers, we started noticing what was going on, and we decided that you know we couldn't, in good conscience, like be a part of this, um, and that we all sort of needed to take action. Um, And so for each volunteer that looked different, you know, we would talk a little bit about what we were doing, um, but everyone sort of also had their own thing. Um, And so I just want to say, you know, I don't think anyone there necessarily did anything intentionally malicious. I think there's just a difficult situation. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I I think people get dis... I'm trying to think where I want to go with this. I'm sorry. It's it's a very yeah. kind yeah, of crazy thing to talk about. And, and two, I want to I want to be clear too. I've never actually talked about this. This is the first time. Yeah. Um. And the reason why is because it's something I think it's important to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um. One from the perspective of you know volunteering isn't always like a rainbows and butterflies. Sometimes right. you get put in tough situations. Um. And this was definitely one of them. Mm. Um. And so, you know, th- this was a situation where I I had to get involved in a way that I, I didn't think I'd have to. Um, and you know, I, I don't think this was like a nefarious plot by the government to like abuse children. Um, I think, you know, the conditions, there were bad and that there needed to be things that were done. And I think there were, well, there, let me be clear. There were people that there that did not care. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to make it clear to that, you know, there, there were incidents where like a kid was hit or something like that. And that person did get fired. Like we, we would always be told that and but um i think there's definitely people there that just like didn't care and right. it's because it's a tough system right yeah. this isn't like something that you can just wave a magic wand and fix overnight mm-hmm. um and so me and other volunteers really started pushing hard for changes um and so one of the things i was I, we we're all doing different things um so but one of the things that i was doing and other volunteers were doing this too is We started reaching out to outside organizations, legal groups, things like that, to see, you know, one, if they could either take legal action to get changes made or, um, you know, become an advocate for the kids. So we were essentially whistleblowing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the same time, I was also making a lot of noise um, within, you know, emailing the different agencies involved and, and really pushing hard. And, you know, one of the things that I did, and we'll you know talk about this, but I had sent an email I'd. Because on a few different nights I'd seen, you know, ambulances arrive at the convention center to take a, a kid. Yeah. Um, and and that was happening pretty frequently. And I, you know, wow. sent an email to a contact over there that that I was told was like the person over it. And I was like, Hey, that you know, there's another ambulance tonight. Like, what's going on? Like, it's not good if ambulances are there every night. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. that's a sign that something's going on here and that right. things need to be addressed so i I was making a lot of noise and i was really hitting on the food issue um because it's like why are we giving these kids like meals that are not nutritional you know they're they're fainting because they're not getting nutrients but then at the same time like people are eating separate meals
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um
2: and so i you know really started hitting hard on that and i I sent an email to them um kind of highlighting this and i said you know imagine if we um had a kid in like a foster home with foster parents and during an inspection of this home, we found out that the kid was being given separate meals from the rest of the family that were lower quality than, than the meals the rest of the family was eating. And that because of this, the child was having health issues. I was like, no one would look at that and say, that's not some yeah. form of child abuse. Right. Mm-hmm. And we would immediately do everything we could in that moment to help that child. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the same exact scenario. So why are we not doing something like, let's do something about this. Um, and so, you know, I got an email back that said, if I thought a child was being abused, I should file an incident report, which is something we could do to, you know, if we saw something, we could file an incident report to be investigated. Mm-hmm. So I would sent that email and then, you know, another volunteer. Now I'm not going to name any names just out of respect to people. You mm-hmm. know, I, and I want to say this very clearly, like I'm not trying to badmouth anyone. Um, right. But an, another volunteer um, decided that it would be a good idea to go to the media and essentially blow the lid on this thing. Because mm. at the time, media really wasn't allowed in. No one really knew what the can, what the the, the shelter was like. Um, yeah. And you know that that was their choice. And you know I I don't fault them for doing that. Um, because I think you know everyone in that situation they had to do what they felt was in. The best interest of those kids in protecting their health, safety, and well-being, um, and that volunteer felt that that was the best thing they could do, which is completely understandable. Um, so they they went to the media, and they asked me if I would be willing to comment on the story, and I, you know, I said maybe, and I was like, it's okay to give the journalist my name and, and phone number. I said I don't know if I'll comment, but um, you know, I'd, I'd consider it. Um, so the journalist reached out to me um, and asked me if I could comment and. I didn't really know. I felt, I felt very conflicted about it. And, and the reason why is because, you know, there's, there's a saying, right? We all know it, but if it bleeds, it leads. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. media likes to sensationalize things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was worried about is that if this article came out and it, it, you know, was in any way sensational. And even if it wasn't, the reality is because of the political nature of the world we live in, right? Yeah. That article is going to be used as a talking point. Um, and there'd, there'd be people in politics that would say, basically, we can't humanely treat these kids this, in any way, um, and the only thing for them to do, for us to do, is to send them back um, to where they came from, and they'll have to wait in their home country um, until they can have their court date. And the issue with that was, if they went back to their home countries, that would be the worst thing for them. Um, you know, I know a kid who is there who's 16, he, he was at the time 16, um, I think he's about to have his birthday. Um, but he fled because a gang had hit out on him. Mm. And if he goes back to El Salvador, he's dead. There's yeah. no debate about it. Mm. Um, so the worst thing for these kids would be to go home, to mm-hmm. go back to where they were. Right. Um, and so I was very worried that, you know, one, if that article came out, it would be used as a political talking point. Um, two, I was worried about, you know, there was a scenario I could see where they'd say, oh, this was volunteers in that article. We can't trust volunteers mm-hmm. and kick out all the volunteers, which mm-hmm. would be an issue because... You know, in a way, we were the eyes and ears on that convention center, and we Mm -hmm. could, you know, report things that were going on that weren't okay. And we were there to advocate for the kids. Yeah, because the media Um, couldn't be there. Yeah, Yeah. the media couldn't be there. So it's like there's something we said about like you need to be there so that way you can kind of see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you get kicked out, you your options then are very limited at that point. Yeah. Um. And then finally, just you know, on another level, I was worried about you know if I got kicked out, um, you know, the the kids they don't get told like, oh, hey, Seth got kicked out and, you know, here's why. Just suddenly you stop showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have these kids that they get to know you, you know, they're in a tough situation. They really start to rely on you and, and turn to you in dark moments. And then suddenly you're gone. Right. And I was worried about, you know, would these kids think I abandoned them? Yeah. Um, and so I knew that, okay, if I'm going to comment on this thing, it has to be done, you know, anonymous. My name can't be in it. Um, that was the only way I'd be able to to really comment. And then I realized that because of the things that I was doing, you know, on the front side with sending these emails to, you know, the different agencies involved, that there was nothing that I could say in a media report that couldn't get traced back to me. Yeah. And anything I could have said um would have gone back to me. And I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that I wasn't doing things outside of the convention center. I was, you know, I was, I had to reach out to a legal organization to see what they could do. Um, you know, I, I did used to work in politics, so I tried to use my political contacts to see if if there was something that could be done at the congressional level. Um, mm-hmm. and, and because of the organizations that I, I spoke to and the individuals, I was very clear that my name needed to be left off. You know, I, I essentially mm-hmm. needed to be kept anonymous and, and you know, f- from a legal sense, been given whistleblower protection. So I want to be clear that I'm just not going to name anyone only right. because they did offer me that. And mm. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to them by now suddenly naming those organizations. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I knew that, okay, for my efforts, like I couldn't, going to the media was not the best route. Um, so, and at the time too, once the journalist reached out, I had gotten in touch with a, a PR person who is, um, you know, sort of helping me and sort of, Figuring out, like, okay, are you going to comment on this story? If if you're going to comment, like, how do you how do you do this in a way that that's going to be beneficial and helpful to these kids? Um, and and basically, in those discussions, we determined that because of my concerns, there I just couldn't comment um, because, especially if if what I thought could come true with kids, you know, being sent back to El Salvador or anywhere's in South America, or you know, all the volunteers getting, I just couldn't, in good conscience, be a part of that. Um, so I decided I couldn't comment. Um, what I didn't know was the other volunteer and I, like I said I, I don't fault them at all I have respect for them um, I think they're a good person so I'm being very clear I'm not trying to badmouth anyone I'm just mm-hmm. not going to name them out of respect to them mm-hmm. um, they had given my emails that I had sent to the journalist um, so while the journalist didn't directly quote me or anything um, and I didn't know too. when when he when this journalist reached out to me, he didn't tell me he had my emails or anything mm. like that. He just asked me if I could comment um so he referenced the emails in his article mm-hmm. um and the way they were referenced kind of was a little misleading in my opinion that made it seem like the volunteer <laughs> yeah. um had given them mm-hmm. him the emails um so the article dropped, and sure enough, you know my emails were referenced in it so um they sent me an email that my credentials were being revoked because I was an anonymous source in an article. Mm-hmm. So I um, I did reach out and I told them, hey, I, I didn't comment on an article and I didn't provide anything. Um, so the, the reason for my credentials being revoked is completely false. And I, I explained, I said, my emails were given by another volunteer I didn't know. Um, and so they wound up, um, there was an appeals process, yeah. I didn't know this. They, they said that there was going to be an appeal to see if whether or not my credentials could be reinstated. And so at first, when they first revoked them, and I'm just kind of tell this so that everyone kind of knows the story. Um, mm-hmm. When they first revoked them at the time, I was like, let's go. I'm ready to like go on the news, like mm-hmm. on camera interview, because now, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I thought about it, but then me and the, the person who was advising me from, you know, the communication standpoint, we had a call and the decision was made that I couldn't comment until that appeal was done. And yeah. the reason being is that in theory, if, if the appeal was granted and my credentials were reinstated, well, then I'm back in the convention center, you know, when I can still be a fly on the wall, but then I can also go to these other organizations that I'm in talks with outside to try to change things and, you know, still report to them. Yeah. Um. So it's sort of like, keep your, keep back, you know, don't yeah. say anything until this appeal comes through. So sure enough, um lost the appeal, and I will, just if people are wondering what that process entails, I honestly don't know um because I never once was asked for comment. I offered to do an interview with them, I offered to provide you know proof that I didn't you know comment, I offered to show the text messages where I said I didn't comment, I offered to give a written statement. Wow yeah. um never once was I contacted. Um, I have some theories on how that appeal went because. And I, I, I'm going to say this, and I don't know for sure if this is the case, but Mm. just from what I've, I have a feeling is that, um, the person that had my credentials revoked was also the person that reviewed everything, which was the person that I was emailing about the conditions. Mm. Um, I, like I said, I have nothing to back that up, but just, I was told that when I asked why. I lost the appeal and why I was not ever asked to give any sort of comment or sit down for an interview or yeah. anything like that, any sort of due process, I was told to email the person that I had already emailed about the conditions. Um, and I, to be clear too, for anyone wondering, I did email that person and I did ask, yeah. um, you know, I said, I'm, I'm still willing to sit down with you, have a discussion. I'm, I'm willing to give you a written statement. I'm willing to provide you proof that person never responded to that email um so yeah i I lost my credentials at that point um which was pretty hard for me because one of the things that really kind of hit me hard with that was the kids get to know you like really well um and i was there sorry this like it's kind of tough to talk about yeah all good so i was there the the night before Mm -hmm. um you know talking to kids and stuff like that and I, i like told them you know i'm gonna be I'll be here tomorrow. And I remember as I was getting, you know, kinda near the end of the night, um, this kid comes up to me and asks me to like play a song for him on my phone. So we were like listening to music. And I, you know, I just I found it interesting the way he was acting. So I was like, hey, you know, is everything okay? And he said, Yeah, you know, just right now I'm kind of sad, just with, you know, everything and what's going on, but you know, I'm okay. And I said, All right, well, I said, I'm gonna be here tomorrow. So I was like, How about, you know, I come get you and we can play cards and listen to music if if that'll help, you know. We'll spend some time time just hanging out. And he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like that. That'd really help. And I was like, yeah, I'll I'll be here tomorrow. I'll you know find you. Um, well, I got kicked out. And then all of this happened before I even got there. Yeah. So yeah. that kid, you know, as far as that kid knows, I just abandoned him. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: So you can you
2: don't uh weren't able to relay the message to people you volunteered with. So no, to- <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you asked that um so there there was another volunteer that um never got caught up in that like they didn't comment they didn't even know that story was dropping so they they were sort of insulated um so i did call them after it happened and i asked you know hey um i told them and i'm not going to name any kids either just because i don't want to like mess up if their appeals or anything i just don't want to risk it Mm -hmm. um but i told her i was like you need to find this kid and and they all have like bed numbers. So they all have like a pod, which is a group they're with, and then they have like a bed, which is, you know, their their bed. Yeah. Um that they're assigned. And I was like, you need to go find this kid. He's in this pod. This is his bed number. Um and let him know. Just let him know that, you know I said don't badmouth any volunteers or anything, but just kinda very generally explain what happened and then I won't be back. Um and so then that way that kid can go and um kinda spread the word of what happens that no one thinks they got abandoned um then Mm -hmm. that kid unfortunately got covid um before that volunteer Mm -hmm. could relay that message um so yeah so that happened um so that that message never got relayed to you know other kids that were still there that that thought i left um and like i said i want to be clear like i don't i don't fault that volunteer i don't think they did anything wrong. They were doing what they felt was the best way to advocate for those kids. Yeah. Um and, and protect their their health, safety and well being. Um mm-hmm. and I don't I don't fault anyone for that. And I realized too, you know, I wanna be clear, I realized that even talking about this right now, people might ask me, you know, why after the fact didn't I comment? Right. Like, okay, you lost your credentials. Like why aren't you talk why didn't you talk about then? Yeah. And and one of the issue was is that I still had those concerns about you know, would other volunteers get kicked out? Would we, and, you know, I, I had heard from another volunteer that, yeah, th- being a volunteer in there suddenly got a lot harder after that article dropped mm-hmm. um, because they knew it was volunteers in the article. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they their movement got like heavily restricted and, you know, they were being watched like hawks and they weren't really trusted. Um, and so I, I was still worried about, you know, potential harm that commenting on the media, commenting to the media could do. And I remember, you know, having a discussion with, Um, the PR person I was talking with about like next steps and, you know, I I was like frustrated about it and he was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough, um, but he was like, the reality is what you were concerned about, like would still, the, like the harm would still be there. Right. Mm -hmm. So the reasons you didn't comment still exist. And it was like, take this experience and then find ways to use it for advocacy. Um, so I, I still really haven't figured out what all this is going to look like, but I really, you know, in the future, I'm going to get more involved with that and figuring out like, how do we do this resettlement process with unaccompanied minors in a way that is humane to them and gives them the dignity that they deserve. Um, and it's something that, you know, I always knew when the time was right, I was going to start talking about, um, because before this, I only in a few like private conversations, did anyone know about this? Um, but I, it's always something that one I've, I've wanted to, when the time was right, um, talk about, because I think it's important to highlight, you know, what was going on there, but then also, yeah, to show, you know, sometimes it's not as easy as it seems. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's, there's plenty of times being at that convention center where I went home and it was just like, tough. and I remember, um, talking about whether or not I should comment on the story. And one of the things I said was, you know. I could really see a scenario where a kid dies at this convention center. And I said, not that I'm a hundred percent responsible for that, but on some level I am right mm-hmm. by being on the sidelines when that happens. Yeah. And like, what responsibility do I have?
1: That's tough. Yeah. Um, Very tough. Oh.
2: yeah. So that, that was what that experience was like. And you know, it, it was a tough experience, but There's also very heartwarming moments just being with those kids Um, and having, you know, you never think about how much like playing cards with a kid can like make a difference on them until that, you know, I mean, I had kids that, you know, as they were getting ready to be reunited with their family, they would tell me, you know, how much me being there and, you know, other volunteers meant to them. how much it helped them that's great you know and yeah. so there, there was definitely heartwarming moments there there's definitely moments where we all had like good laughs with yeah. kids and <laughs> funny stories i can tell um but yeah it was also probably probably one of the hardest things i've ever done um mm. just because you know one I, I never thought it, it would play out that way um and then just yeah that whole way Poor things deal, happened yeah. and you know i remember early on you know when i was talking about you know what was going on there i was like i i remember telling someone that i was talking to and getting advice from i was like it almost feels like i'm a whistleblower and they stopped me and they said no you are a whistleblower like this is whistleblowing yeah and i was like that threw me off and i was like i never thought i'd be this deep in something yeah um so yeah it was it was just a life-changing experience on so many different levels Thanks. gosh that's incredible
0: man (laughs) Well, you know, your efforts and your willingness and your servant hearted leadership in this yeah. uh, is, is what's incredible. Obviously not the messiness that people tend to politicize mm-hmm. and, and put higher above humanity in and of
2: itself. So I appreciate you using this platform to share that.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, thank you.
2: I, of course, you know, it's something I've always said when the time was right. I, I wanted to talk about it and the experience, cause it is, it's an experience that people, you know, need to know about and what was going on there. And you know, people might. I re- I realize too, like people might say, like, "Oh, why are you talking about now? Like, why didn't you do anything on time?" And that's a fair criticism, and mm-hmm. I'll take that. You know, I'll I'll take the heat for that. If if someone wants to attack me because of the way I handled things, that's fair. Um, you know, all I have to say to that is, you think you thought that we were doing that, what that, was best? Yeah, at the, time. I, the best advice <clears> that I got was, whatever you do, you have to do it because you think it's in the. The best interest of protecting the health, safety, and well-being of the kids. Right, Um, that's all that matters. And when I weighed things out, that's what I felt was right. And to anyone who says that's wrong, well, when you're in that situation, you know you can you can make that call for yourself. And you know now I'm just at a point where you know I'm I'm ready to use that experience to hopefully help change that that situation and and that system that. That allows situations like that to happen, yeah, and conditions absolutely. like that to exist. That was, was easier
0: great. said outside of the fact, looking mm-hmm. outside in. You know, yeah,
1: man, kind of learn and grow at some point, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. learn, learn from mistakes, whether well, your own or others, and yeah. do better in the future. So
0: now, like, it's almost a year removed from that. So yeah. How, how are they doing now? What, do you keep up with any of them now? Any kids? Um, are they mainly resettled with their so, families? And stuff? So we
2: couldn't give any contact info. Um, okay. You know, like I couldn't... Here's my phone number or yeah, anything. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we live in a social media age. Yeah. Um, so you I, probably find I, I, I have had kids find me on social media and reach okay. out, um, yeah. which has been awesome. Um, so like some of the kids who never you know, got to see me again, you know, they were able to find me on social media and then they written, you know, so that there's that. Um, so, you know, yes, they've been, a lot of them have been, you know, reunited and, um, you know, one of the kids so proud of him. He's like an honor roll student now doing really great. Yeah. So it's awesome to see, you know, it's, you know, it's sad their situation, but it's so inspiring when you see people who have gone through something so difficult. Like I can't imagine doing Mm -hmm. something like that. And then, you know, it's like kids now in honor roll, you know, in school and and doing really well. Um, so yeah, you know, I've I've been able to connect with a few of them and they're doing really well. And it's so like heartwarming when you, when (laughs) you get that life update that, that, and they're like, Hey, you know, I found I'm you on social. Great. and thank you. Just want to let you. you know, like I'm <laughs> yeah. doing really great. And thank you so much for everything. Oh, and by the way, I made honor roll. Here's my report card. It's like <laughs> nice. all right. So Uncle Seth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or TO Seth. Yeah, yeah. TO Seth right there. <laughs> That's uh, awesome man. So uh we'll
1: just go ahead and knock out a few more questions. I know there's two questions that I really want to ask you. Yeah. Uh you wanna go? No, or? go ahead. Um, so first one is when you're doing these sorts of events or working with these organizations what do you like more do you like being out in the front line and you know seeing these people every day or do you think that you do a better job of being on board and and being organizing things do you think that you affect
2: more people in that position or do you like being up front oh gosh i don't (laughs) it's a good one um you know it's it's tough for me to answer honestly because you know i've all i've only been on a few organizations and advisory board roles things like that Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's only really started within the past year so i don't necessarily know yet you know the extent of that impact or whether or not it's been more effective than you know being on the front lines um direct client facing Mm -hmm. work um you know i i think it's important for me to do both one, you know, to, to use my strengths that I have to help organizations from a structural organizational standpoint. But then I also think on some level in general for everyone, it's important to be client facing because then you, you see the impact of that work and how important it is. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's in a way both. It's hard. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: It's definitely a hard question to yeah. to answer. So what in these organizations, uh, what does the, um, I guess hierarchy kind of look like, you know, there's the board up at the top and then do you have kind of like supervisors who are in charge of this group, this group, this group, and then you have the people who work, uh, these events. Like how, how does that? Yeah.
2: So, I mean, it it just, every organization is a little bit different. A lot of times, you know, when you're on a board, there'll be like committees. Mm -hmm. Um, so different members of the committee or of the board will be on different committees. And then oftentimes there's like a chair of that committee and then there's a. you know, officers within the boards. So there's like a treasurer, okay. you know, executives, yeah, um, board chair, things like that. So there, there's an organizational structure within it. it. It also just depends on how each board functions. Okay. Uh, you know, if it's a bigger board, they're probably going to have more committees, more people on the committees, more officer positions. Or like a smaller board, they may just have, you know, the assigned, you know, officers and then that's it. Okay. Um, I remember helping, you know, an organization um for a project and like because their board structure was so small they just had the organized they had committees but because their board was so small the officers were essentially the people yeah. on the committees and that was it um okay. so they they were trying to recruit more people to get you know on the board so that they can then have those committees filled out mm-hmm. or get their membership on those committees too, yeah so so
1: we played this game with uh it was kind of like a game that I made up on the spot with a guest that we had before on okay. the podcast and it was basically she was a, a personal trainer she was working yeah. on opening up her own gym and I just like named a muscle group and she gave like one or two exercises or workouts to target those muscles. Okay. So I'm gonna try and and you know, Let's form this, form this game to for you. So I'm going to name some services and maybe you can name organizations okay. that they can look out for.
2: Yeah. yeah, I so, mean, like this is either gonna go really well, or I'm gonna really embarrass myself, <laughs> and people are gonna think I have no idea hey, what I'm talking about. This is all on the spot, so it's yeah, totally fine. Yeah.
1: So say let's let's hopefully try and make this easy. If someone just wants to do something as like, um, go you know participate in like a food line or or give food to some the homeless mm-hmm. or something like that what's an organ or what organization can you yeah. meet up with
2: so i know city square does they do a food distribution so they're they're great for that um stew pot works directly with homelessness and i want to be clear too i a lot of these are organiz- like i'm just naming ones yeah. that i know i don't know what that process looks like or if there's an opportunity to do this this is very off the top of my head i'm okay. um, just <laughs> yeah, from yeah. i know my background so if you like call these organizations then they're like <laughs> He's no, so you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to be clear. Um, so Stew Pot, they they work with like homeless individuals and they, they provide meals um, to them. So that might be an opportunity. And then, you know, North Texas food bank has their their food distribution. I know they're always looking for volunteers for that. So
1: Okay um what about if someone wants to uh maybe work with kids like you were mentioning a, a book drive or something like
2: that yeah or... so if if you really want to work with kids an organization that i've i've helped a little bit in the past volunteered once or twice with is vogel alcove mm-hmm. um they are a sort of the best way i can describe them is they're like an early education um center that works specifically with children experiencing homelessness and their families. So they're not just helping the kids, but they're helping, you know, the parents for like job placement, education. Oh, perfect. Nice. Um, but then yeah. they're also a place where the kids can go during the day to, you know, get meals, get education. It's, it, it's really incredible, the work they're doing down there. Um, so if you're looking to get involved with kids, hundred percent, go to Vogel Alcove.
1: Perfect. And Sweet. then, uh, maybe one more, uh, let's see. um, Well, what's, what's an organization that you would put out there for people to kind of check out or maybe some of the ones that, you you know, you're a board member
2: of. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the problem with that is every organization I'm involved in, (laughs) you should reach out to. Um, I mean, I think just find what you're passionate about, really. Like that, that would be the key thing. Um, You know, if, if you're looking to get involved with an organization, you can go to Communities Foundations of Texas has on their website. You can go to that and there there's literally a, a thing to search for different nonprofits and you can search by, you know, the issue that you care about. Um, and okay. it's a massive database. So, you know, if you're like, Oh, I really care about animals or, you know, anything, the arts, right. Mm-hmm. If I really care about the arts and I want to help an arts nonprofit, like you can go on there and, you know, find a nonprofit that deals specifically with that thing that you're passionate about and then get involved with them.
1: Perfect. Nice.
2: So I think
0: you. we'll take this and plug it in the description. Yeah,
2: yeah put in the show notes. You yeah, know. yeah, we'll put it in there. But for sure. check it in the show notes after you, you know, leave that five star review. Subscribe. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Exactly. You go. That's, uh, That's what we like that. to
0: hear. <laughs> so I think uh, he did well in the game. Yeah, I think. I mean, that was, that was awesome. it's, great. It's, See, it's 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 off the bat. Perfect. <laughs> that was great, man. One last question. Yeah. We try to ask all our guests. Sometimes we forget. We love Texas. We and more specific, specifically, we love Dallas. Um, you were pretty much born and raised here, right? Um, what's something that you love about Dallas that you want to share? Whether it's a, I mean, you've plugged a lot of nonprofits, so let's kind of get away from <laughs> that for a second.
1: Get away from the nonprofits. Yeah, yeah. spot to eat at. Yeah, whether it's a
0: restaurant, coffee shop, um, a local musician you love listening to, whatever, just plug it here and. And uh,
2: recommend it to somebody. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to slightly break the rule. One, go to Union Coffee Shop. It is a yeah. non-profit. So, right. broke that rule. And, and this Absolutely.
1: Union, you were saying, is off of Cedar... It's uh... it's
2: off of uh, Cedar Springs and um, Oak Lawn. Okay. Um, there's like a Methodist church. It's right next to it. There's a big lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right there. So, definitely go check them out if you're looking for a good cup of coffee. Yep. Um, I'm on their board, so I have to plug them. <laughs> yes. um, but also, they just have really good coffee. Yep. Um, as far as like a very dallas specific thing oh gosh that's really on that might be the hardest question i've been asked actually um harder than tell us a little bit about yourself (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) who would have thought that one um like you know i I guess just like one of the things i love about dallas as i've i've really started to live in dallas and like set roots Mm -hmm. here is is just like dallas kind of does get a bad rap as a city but i think if you're if you're looking for good people like you you can find it here and mm-hmm. i think that that's one of the things that i really love is like there actually is solid community here and there are there are people that are just like passionate good people good energy um you know and so if if you want that you can definitely find it here um i've met some incredible people in dallas whether it's you know organizations people um that have been life changing for me, and that I know are in my corner, and and you know I'm so grateful to have them. Um, nice. And you can't find that.
1: Yeah. Anywhere. True. So. I mean, it makes sense. We Love are in that. Dallas, so. Love that yeah. answer.
0: <laughs> I second that. The people here are fantastic. All right, last last uh, last chance. Plug yourself socials, anything
2: else you want to mention here?
1: For sure. Anything last, coming last... up or anything like that? I dude. mean,
2: well one, go to union. We've got shot of generosity. Yeah. Um, you know, so definitely go to unions, Instagram page. Um, you'll find it on there. Um, you know, if you want to find me, um, probably yeah. the best places I'm most active on social. So, uh, Instagram, I am underscore Seth B, um, yeah. is, is probably the best way to reach me. Pretty easy to follow. Um, yeah, that's probably, you know, if you want some feel good content, um, there you go. that's where you go some motivation Do some motivation get your you day know, start off yeah on get the your right day start with some positive energy good yeah, that's energy right. that's that's where you'll find it yep perfect nice. dallas
0: influencer right here
2: <laughs> of good vibes <laughs> of good vibes how about, how about that how about the good, that yeah, yeah the, that's the, a title you the, should put.
1: the good vibes influencer <laughs> yes yes influencer <laughs> of it. good vibes perfect all right um well seth thank you for joining us um on this episode of the red Pegasus
2: podcast
0: been an honor and a privilege yeah
2: thank y'all been great Mm -hmm. go do great things y'all i'm cheering for you nice all right we'll see you guys later see you